Boom! Shake the room, Fire Nation. JLD here with an audio masterclass on Big Brother or Big Data. To drop these value bombs, I have brought Keith Robinson and Bob Whittlesley on the mic. And today we're going to be talking about a lot of awesome stuff about the technology that they see as necessary in their jobs today, the favorite parts of their job in financial tech, and their least favorite parts, what they think is going to be obsolete in five to 10 years, and what's not going to be obsolete technology-wise in five to 10 years. Some really interesting things came out here. And then, of course, do you believe that we're in the hands of Big Brother? Both Keith myself and Bob tackle this question. In Fire Nation, Keith is a first vice president, family wealth director, and financial advisor with Greenwood Wealth Management at Morgan Stanley. He began his career in 98 at Payne Weber and has been serving the needs of his clients and their families for over 20 years. And Bob is a principal and team leader of the office property division at Collier's International Denver, where over the past three decades, he's quickly become one of the top brokers in Colorado. Fire Nation will be diving into all this and so much more when we get back from taking our sponsors. A degree from Creighton's Hyder College of Business will empower you to think boldly, lead confidently, and shape your future. For more program information, to schedule an appointment with an enrollment specialist, or to start an application today, go to gradschool.creighton.edu. If you're feeling like you have no idea where to start with your online course journey, then Thinkific's five-day course challenge is for you. You'll walk away with a complete blueprint for your online course that you'll be ready to put into action. Sign up for this free challenge today at thinkific.com slash fire. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-F-I-C dot com slash fire. Bob, say what's up to Fire Nation and share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. Fire Nation, what is happening today? I'd say the thing that most people don't know about me specifically in my career is that I am an avid outdoorsman. I love utilizing all the attributes of Colorado. I go fishing, skiing, biking, you name it. If it's outside, I love it. Nice. Well, Fire Nation, as I shared in the introduction, we're going to be talking about Big Brother or Big Data. And we have a lot to talk about when it comes to this. Bob is going to be guiding us through. I gave you his entire introduction way back at the beginning of the episode. So, Bob, let's just learn a little bit more about you in some more detail. I mean, I want to know like where you're from, where you went to school, and then how did you get to the company that you're at right now? Sure. Interesting. I, um, I'm kind of from all over. I was a Marine Corps kid and um, spent elementary school during the Vietnam War and post-war, so traveled quite a bit, which is both good and bad. The, the bad is that you don't have a lot of long-term connections, but the good is that you see a bunch of the world and then you understand many, many different people with many different demographics throughout the United States. So that's great. Um, I went to University of Colorado. Interesting story. I'd never been to Colorado, saw a photo of, of University of Colorado, and it's the only place I applied to college. I love Boulder, man. Boulder is a beautiful town. And so that's the thing, right? The Flatirons drew me there. But then um, once I got here, I just fell in love with the state totally. and the University of Colorado as well. So it, it was really nice. And then as far as my job goes, I had worked with at and AT&T Technologies, and um, really wanted to go a little bit more entrepreneurial. I didn't want to be with a blue chip company per se, and had the opportunity to meet one of the principals 
at Collier's International and got along well with him. And um, he introduced me to the folks with Collier's in Denver and the rest is history. That was about 30 years ago. Well, the things that I want to focus on for the rest of this episode is technology because our listeners are tuned in today because we want to know like what skills do we need in this new world that we've now entered? I mean, obviously things are moving along at a rapid pace. I mean, there's just exponential growth in technology in the world and all these different things that we're dealing with. But where you're at, Bob, right now, what specific tech skills do you find necessary to complete your job? It's interesting, and it's really relative to fintech in that my job takes a lot of technology and financial understanding. I'd say the biggest skill that one needs in my job is really an inquisitive mind and one that is always innovating. So never never resting on laurels, but always looking forward to a better message, a better way to get to, to end results, and ultimately a better way to um, assist one's clients. Let's get really detailed though. So like what day in and day out are you using specifically technology-wise and the skills you've had to develop because of that to actually not just complete your job, but let's talk about excelling. The foundation for when I was younger was was analytic tools. And those were really based on things like Excel and and models that expanded on, on pretty simple programs. What's evolved is um, more robust analytic tools, so as well as, as big data tools. So tools that um, deep dive deep into the economy, uh, the specific commercial real estate and office market in specific areas throughout the nation. And then, and then um, I guess, tools to help our clients understand the financial impact of the decisions that they're making. So they're all industry-specific um, softwares, which I don't think really necessarily moves this conversation forward. But I'd say the biggest skill set is to be pr- precise with the data. Because if I'm not precise in what I'm asking the software to do, then I don't get good results. So we're also being joined by Keith today, who you also heard about in the introduction. And Keith, you're here. I'm going to have you uh, kind of go through the same process we just took Bob through. But first, give us a two-minute or less breakdown just about where you came from, where you went to school, and you know, where, and how, how you actually got to the company that you're at right now. So I uh, am a Colorado native, was born and raised here in the Denver metro area and um, grew up here, attended Colorado State University where I pursued a degree in public accounting, actually a business degree with an emphasis in public accounting and was a little unique in the sense that I was really interested in the business that I'm in now uh, back in high school. I actually had the chance to go to work as an intern for a couple of gentlemen in the financial services industry and uh, spent a lot of time doing grunt work uh, my last year of high school and then all through college. I interned for uh, two firms when I was in school. I worked at the offices in Fort Collins and mm. during summer breaks, I worked down here in the Denver metro area and that really paved the way for me to be able to get into uh, my line of work right out of school. When I got done with school, most people that were on the accounting track at CSU were either going to go to work for one of the big six accounting firms at the time. 
and pursue a, a career in either audit or tax. And uh, I, I liked the accounting side, the analytical side of me um, likes accounting, everything kind of ties out. But the the relational side of me really likes being around people and spending more time uh, communicating and, and working closely with people relationally. And so I, I was able to try my hand at this. And I thought if I can make uh, a career in the financial services industry as an advisor work, great. If not, I'd fall back on my accounting degree. And that was 20 some odd plus years ago. Wow. So you've definitely been able to make it work over these last 20 years. But today, like we're talking here in 2020, what are the technology skills that you actually find that you need that are absolutely necessary to excel at your current job? Funny as it might sound, the ability to uh, access people in in Skype and uh, <laughs> meetings through Zoom platforms and Skype and a lot of the social um, media platforms have become bigger and bigger for us as our um, digital presence has grown. So uh, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's our team page through Facebook, uh, trying to do things uh, through Twitter, um, so the social uh, media side has been big, but then just day in and day out, uh, the ability to work a spreadsheet, the ability to put together a PowerPoint presentation. Uh, we've got a number of tools within the firm that we use in terms of analytical tools that are important to me day in and day out, uh, many of which will mean nothing to the audience listening today. But I think you know proficiency with Excel, proficiency with many of the digital media platforms that are out there today, and the ability to, to create uh, presentation materials is, is very important in what I do. So Keith, staying with you, because it does sound like there's a lot that has not changed, you know, in the past 20 odd years. I mean, I remember using Excel 20 years ago, when, you know, whenever that came out. What are some things that has changed in the technology world? Meaning like, what has, you know, come across that really is helping you out above and beyond Zoom and above and beyond, you know, different uh, new technologies that we're kind of utilizing right now that actually helps you do your job better? So how has that shifted and changed? I think the way we communicate and the time with which we communicate and able to, are able to reach clients has been huge. Um, uh, whether it's texting, whether it's email, um, you know, just the the way in which we communicate with clients, we still put a premium on being able to meet face to face, spending time over the phone. And in this day and age, actually seeing somebody through a Skype or a, a Zoom call matters. But, you know, for us, the, the big change has been um, the ability to reach clients is crazy and simple as it sounds through text or for them to reach us through a text has been um, a big change. And then I think in terms of the the trading of securities, you know, we manage investment portfolios and those platforms have changed dramatically too, yeah. where just the speed and access that we have to markets is the greatest it's ever been. Uh, we we manage dedicated portfolios and some of the proprietary trading software that we have where we make one change at the portfolio level and it affects every client account across the board is um, is pretty dramatic. And reporting has also been a big deal for us where it used to be a, a pretty good lag time in terms of getting reporting information and data to clients. That now happens instantaneously. 
And uh, that can be both a blessing and a curse, um, especially in markets that are more volatile and with clients that tend to look at things maybe a little more closely than they should. You know, we've had moves going back to March where the market was down 10% in one day. And when people have access to that information that quickly, mm. um, you know, it, it's a it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. Yeah. And I love how you actually were talking and explaining about the whole reporting side of things, because I'm a big believer in that Peter Drucker quote, which is what gets measured gets improved. And now you do live in this world where you have, you know, so much faster and more accurate and more shareable data and reporting and analytics and all these different things that can really help both you internally. And like you said, Sometimes externally, sometimes it can be, you know, a little bit of a blessing and a curse and that curse being people are going to freak out when they hear there's a 10% drop happening right now. But if they heard at the end of the day that, oh yeah, the market did go down 10%, but then it recovered and now it's only down 2%, that, you know, stress, panic, selling might not have happened in that in that other situation. So that blessing and curse does have that nice combo there. And Bob, I do want to kind of bring this to you because Creighton is one of the first schools to introduce fintech. So, you know, this is combining finance and technology. What are your thoughts on this combination? It's the perfect combination, quite frankly, especially moving forward, because the intersection of, of technology and finance has never been closer. As, as uh, Keith just said, that ability to access real-time data and then, and then utilize that data to assist clients in making sound business decisions is, I think, paramount in business today and, and will be the corner of, cornerstone of business going forward. If you think about, about corporate, corporate um, bottom line and, and um, the, the effects of every little thing that, um, that go into the bottom line, if, if they have the ability to better manage their decisions based on their employment, based on their geographic area, based on transportation, things of that nature, it, it provides for a better corporate bottom line. So Bob, I'm going to stay with you here, but Keith, make sure you're paying attention to this question because I'm coming to you next. I want to know, Bob, where you see technology taking your specific field in both the short-term and longer-term future. Interesting. Um, Keith was talking about social media and the ability to communicate. Right. Obviously that has been a monumental shift over the last five months, but, but the ability to work uh, and, and do our business virtually is something that I don't think will change. So when I say virtually, if someone's looking at a large office building, they typically have a team of 10, 12, 15 people come in throughout, from throughout the United States to look at the asset. Well, now what they can do is ha deploy one or two people from a regional perspective and then, and then um, validate that asset throughout the globe through virtual means. And that is something that we think is a monumental shift that is here to stay. Awesome. What about yourself, Keith? I agree with Bob. I think um, to the earlier point about fintech being the, uh, the, the perfect intersection here and at a real crossroads, I, I could not agree more. We've seen more and more changes happening year after year um, in terms of what we do and how we're advising clients and then how we're implementing um, investment policies around those plans. I think for me, my, my take's a little bit different in the sense that um, as the world has become more digital, 
I feel like there is a bit of a relational void still. I think we are now more interconnected than ever, but we suffer from uh, data fatigue. We suffer from analysis paralysis. And I think in my area where many things can get extremely complex, having personal relationships and being able to still sit down face to face and have actual conversations through subject matter matters. And yes, the ability to deliver data to clients and reporting to clients and their ability to get online and affect a trade or look at what's happening in their financial plan is wonderful. And we now have access to that in a greater way than we ever have. There's still a premium on the relational side of business. And at the end of the day, um, money is an emotional thing right? And we know all too often in my line of work that those emotions can lie to clients. And our job is to be active listeners and what they're trying to accomplish and then help cut through the emotional, uh, yeah, the, the emotional noise in the background to reduce it to what it is, which is a business decision. We're making business de- decisions around plans we've formulated and how we're deploying capital and technology has helped give us access to whether it's markets, reporting, how we communicate those things. But I still think there's a real premium on the ability to be face to face with somebody. And yeah, the virtual side um, has been interesting to see it develop here through the coronavirus crisis because we're now doing more and more with Zoom and Skype and virtual meetings, but there's still something to be said for that FaceTime. I think many of the clients in our world um, don't want to just be able to access a mobile app or something online to do everything. They want to talk through these events with somebody, and uh, th- that's an important thing. And I, I think human nature, is, is, we're relational beings, and as great as technology has been, I think in many ways, social media and many of those platforms have put us on islands in a lot of ways that I don't think we were designed to be on. I do love that phrase, Fire Nation, that human nature is being relational. Like, think about that. And it's another great way to differentiate yourself, you know, and everybody's just trying to make cold call after cold call or Skype call after Skype call. How are you maybe going and doing the extra step and still showing up, still sitting down, looking at somebody, you know, if not shaking their hand in the new world, at least giving them a little elbow bump to make sure that you know that, hey, I'm here, I'm with you, you can trust me. And Fire Nation, we have some pretty awesome topics coming up as soon as we get back from thanking our sponsors. If you're ready for the next level in education, then a graduate degree in analytics from Creighton's University Hydro College of Business will empower you to think boldly, lead confidently, and shape your future. The Hydro College of Business offers multiple formats and delivery options to learn analytics, including part-time and full-time programs, as well as one-off courses without the commitment of a full degree. You can also choose to take courses online or on campus to fit your busy schedule. Plus, timely and relevant courses are offered to align with the evolving industry needs like predictive and prescriptive 
descriptive analytics, data visualization, data modeling, machine learning, database management, and research, just to name a few. Hyder's accreditation by the AACSB places it in the top 2% of business schools in the world. So whether you're looking for a master's level degree, a graduate certificate, or one-year accelerated program, Hyder has something for you. For more information about graduate level analytics programs and course information, to schedule an appointment with an enrollment specialist, or to start an application, go to gradschool.creighton.edu today. That's gradschool.creighton.edu. Thinkific is the best platform to create, market, and sell your own online courses. And we speak from personal experience. We've been hosting our online courses with Thinkific since 2017. With Thinkific, we can deliver content to our students in a simple, user-friendly way that allows them to learn and take action fast. Plus, our students are always raving about how easy it is to follow the flow of the content thanks to Thinkific's theme and templates. So if you're ready to create an online course to help you reach a wider audience, build revenue, and make a bigger impact, then Thinkific is the perfect partner to have by your side. To prove it, Thinkific has an exclusive offer for you, Fire Nation, their five-day course challenge. Here's what one of their recent students had to say about it. This challenge helped me gain the confidence and clarity I needed, as well as the perspective required to compile my specialized knowledge into marketable content that others will be willing to pay for. Sign up for this free challenge today at thinkific.com slash fire. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-F-I-C dot com slash fire. Bob, Keith, we are back and I'm going to start with you, Keith. And Bob, again, now I'm giving you a little bit of a chance to to think about your answer. And it's going to be a little bit of a doozy because I want to hear from you, Keith, about a piece of technology that you believe that we use today that's going to be obsolete in just five to 10 years. So a very short time frame. but you're actually using this technology today, but you think that it's not going to be used in that short five to 10 year time frame. And on the flip side, what piece do you think will still remain in five to 10 years and potentially even beyond? You know, that's a really hard question. And it's interesting because it actually came up last night around the dinner table. I've got four children and we were, I don't know how we got on the topic of technology, but it it, it came up and- you Probably said, Sarah, put down the phone. It's dinner right, time. Put down the phone. <laughs> Get off mine. Let's eat. Let's have a conversation. Mm. We're relational beings. Don't you know that? Right. Get your nose out of that phone. <laughs> the one thing that came up, uh, and my, my wife actually was the one that mentioned this, was, was the use of fiat currency that she thinks, and I think she may be right that 10 to 15 to 25 years from now, um, fiat currency is going to be gone. Everything's going to be done digitally. I mean, you're already hearing about like coins, just like, why would we want to be handling coins? Coin shortage through the, you know, COVID-19 crisis. And, um, you know, there used to be a a premium on kind of having some walking around money and people like to have hold hard cash on them. But, you know, I could see cash being a, a thing of the past. Now that's not a the technology. It's more of a thing. In terms of actual technology, I, I think that desktop computers are going to be a thing of the past that we'll be doing more and more on our mobile devices, whether it's a tablet or a laptop. But an actual desktop PC or, or Mac is going to be gone. Um, the other thing that I, I think we'll more than likely see completely go away will be um, cable TV and DVR systems that everything is going to be, um, migrated over to a subscription, uh, basis and that people will continue to 
push things to cloud offerings. And actually, I, I have to laugh a little bit as this cloud um, uh, movement has gained more and more steam. I remember having a conversation with a buddy of mine back in 2000, you know, 2000, 2001 about, um, you know, the cloud. And I said, Hey, we need to start a company that, uh, everybody just subscribes for what they're using on the technology front and they pay (laughs) a licensing and a subscription fee and you no longer have a computer and it's all just stored remotely. That was my term that I used is you had a connection to the internet. You'd have a keyboard, a mouse and a screen and you just subscribe to what you need. He's like, oh, it'll never work. You know, just trying to figure out the licensing agreements on just the Microsoft Office suite alone. It's just going to be impossible to figure out. So I look back on that, and I, I don't know if um, you recall there, there was a movie out years ago called The Italian Job, oh, where yeah. Seth's character claimed to create Napster. <laughs> I kind of feel like I created the cloud, and I'm not getting any credit for it because <laughs> I had that idea, and I wish I would have ran with it. But to answer the question, I think that. Uh, we could see fiat currencies being a thing of the past. And I think that, um, you know, actual desktops are probably going to be gone. I think that, you know, DVR type devices are going to be gone. But yeah, as I think through that, that's a that's a hard one to answer. I don't know exactly. It's going to be interesting to see where it goes, though, for sure. Yeah. In Fire Nation, I mean, think of the things of the past, the fiat currency. I mean, like, do we really still need some coins? And, w- and when you were talking about that, it actually literally brought up this memory I haven't even thought of for a while. But when I was like six, seven, eight years old, my best friends, um, we'd always go around to, like with his father to like a restaurant or to a store. And he would just always reach in his front pocket and just pull out this wad of bills that I swear to God was like nine inches thick. And he would just peel off bills. And you could just tell he so enjoyed doing that. Like that was his quote unquote, walking around money. And it's just a different generation. I mean, I'm not super young. I mean, I'm 40 years old, but the reality is I, I never, ever have more than $20 in squeezed in between two credit cards and on like my iPhone um, little packet that I have because I just never, ever, ever need it nor use it nor want it, you know, frankly. And it's just like that interesting thing. And I just look at my niece who's nine years old and I'm like, you're never even going to like touch money like after you turn 15. Like it's just not going to happen. So that was a really interesting thing. And Bob, you've had some time to think about it. So let's stick to one thing that's going to be obsolete in five to 10 years and one thing that will remain. In urban areas, automobile ownership will be obsolete. Can also driving a car be obsolete? Because I hate people driving cars. <laughs> so that's, a, that's the thing. I, I, I caveat it by saying in, in urban areas. But yeah. yes, driving a car in urban areas will be obsolete. <laughs> no question. What is going to remain? The need to communicate. Communication platforms will just expand, especially if we were to go through another um, event like this. I don't think that Zoom and Skype calls are the end-all be-all. I think we're going to see a tremendous progression in how we communicate yeah. uh, going forward. I'm thinking, you know, a little um, Skywalker action where there's going to be a virtual reality person like you, you, myself, and Keith will just be sitting in a room, you know, and two of us will be holograms to each other, but, you know, there'll be one person. So it'll really be like we're all in the same room. And that, that, that'd be quite the next level. If you'd given me a second thing that will be obsolete, I think it's it, it kind of follows on with what Keith was saying and in that you know our mobility is going to stay, but how we utilize our our machines is going to be different. In that keystrokes and repeatable keystrokes and things of that nature will be obsolete as well. 
Bob, I want to stay with you because you're kind of on a roll right now. What is your favorite part of your current job? Like, what do you absolutely love? And then just be honest with the audience. Like, what's your least favorite? What do you like the least about your job? My job requires a lot of personal interaction. If you think about the people that are making decisions in my position, they're making multi-million dollar decisions on everything they do as it pertains to my business. And so, as it was uh, talked about earlier in the podcast, uh, that need for personal interaction and then, and then confidence and, and faith in, in me as a person is paramount. And so creating those personal bonds and being out of the office and meeting with people on a face-to-face basis is by far my favorite part of the job. What's your least favorite? Be honest. My least favorite part of the job is um, going through big, gnarly documents. 30, 50, 80 page documents that require to be read um, to comprehend and then and then make adjustments to. That I think is progressing as well to where there's more big data on documents such as what I'm talking about. And um, it makes it so that you have the ability to use big data to make adjustments on the fly on those documents. So that all of that's continuing to is progressing at light speed right now. Awesome. Let's move over to Keith. Keith, same questions. The favorite thing about your job on a day-to-day basis? And then be honest with us, what's your least favorite? I really enjoy the relational element of what I get to do. And um, you don't start working with clients and their money for very long before it it becomes intimate. And um, the the trust and, you know, confidence they put in us is, is not anything we ever take for granted. And I, I love the relational side. I also really love the analytical side of the business. Um, you know, the, the numbers behind the numbers and making the plan work and uh, asset allocation um, stuff. I, I like the analysis aspects of it. It's very black and white. Uh, yes, there is some gray at times, but it seems to be pretty straightforward and it, it suits me well. The one part that I don't necessarily enjoy is some of the administrative churn that we have to deal with. And there's a variety of different compliance issues that we have to deal with in my world. And at times it gets very frustrating because we're trying to provide a service to our clients and we want to make their life easier. But just given uh, the regulatory environment that we reside in, it's not always easy to get things done for people that we want to get done. So the administrative churn of, for me at times is is something that takes a little bit of the joy away of what I get to do day in and day out. Keith, Bob, you guys have been troopers throughout this entire interview and break it down for us. Do you believe that we are in the hands of Big Brother? I actually do not think we're in the hands of Big Brother as of yet. I think that that we are in peril of going into hands of Big Brother, especially as we work through this work from home phenomena. Um, COVID has has required the majority of office workers to go home to work, and therefore corporations are are really trying to understand um, productivity gains and or productivity losses caused by this work from home mentality. And so I think what we're what we're facing is how does corporate America do that? Do they start getting into the specific keystrokes that an employee is making? How are they going to actually understand how somebody is working? 
And so then the next peril, if you will, is that intersection of work from or, or work home life. That, that once that becomes too strong, that there is a loss of independence and a loss of, of that home life that is so um, important to every family. The ability to disconnect, the ability to, to move on and go to a kid's baseball game or their soccer game or just have a, a nice dinner together. And so if we, if we don't manage that correctly at this pivotal time in business, we're in peril of going into being in the hands of Big Brother. So Keith, now that you've heard Bob's response, what are your thoughts? Are we in the hands of Big Brother? Yes, but it's still something we can control. I think that with um, everybody's digital footprint expanding the way that it has, Big Brother now knows more about us than they ever have. And they continue to find out more about our patterns in terms of how we spend our time, how we spend our money, um, what we think, what we like, what we don't like. But it's really up to us to continue on that trajectory. We still have the freedom to say, no, I, I'm not going to put all of my information out there. Uh, we can be wise consumers. And I just think it's interesting with all of the applications we use, I'm, I'm guilty of not reading any of those privacy agreements in terms of what they're doing with our data. And so I've freely given them access to what we do and how we do it. Mm -hmm. But it's still up to us that we can choose how we um, utilize those resources and how we spend our time on various technology platforms. So yes, I, I am concerned that we are being ruled by Big Brother and they are dictating and helping to push us to make decisions that are consistent with what they want to do in terms of driving profitability. Now, I'm, I'm speaking about this within the context of technology, whether it's Apple or Amazon or Facebook or Google or Netflix. You know, they, they know so much about us. But what I'd be curious to know is how accurate is what they know about me. Even though I have this digital footprint, you know, we have all this data, but data can lie too, right? And so if they were to create this profile for me based upon everything that's out there, how accurate is it? And then at the end of the day, we also have decisions to make in terms of how much more do we want to put out there? So one thing I will say is I was just hanging out the other evening with my buddy. We were just having a drink on my kitchen terrace and you know his phone was like on the table and he was just like asking me a question about a recent purchase I made. I'm like, oh yeah, I got these Boomba socks, B-O-O-M-B-A-S. And I'm really digging them. He's like, oh, that's cool, blah, blah, blah. We didn't even think anything of it. Like an hour later, he's home and he sends me a screenshot that when he was on his phone on Facebook, he was being served Boombas ads on his phone that had just been sitting there and were like, it, it was just listening because he has never yeah. seen those ads before. So <laughs> it's one of those things where like, you know, listen, I, I, I'm obviously like loving technology and I love a lot of what it does. But, you know, I think we just need to be aware at the same time that, hey, unless we're taking ultra precautions, somebody is out there and they're listening. And I'm not saying they're being devious. You know, most of them are just trying to sell us stuff, but they are listening. And 
Keith, Bob, you guys have been absolute troopers today. You've been dropping so much value, taking time out of your day today. And Fire Nation, you know that you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And you've been hanging out with KRBW and JLD today. So make sure you keep up that heat. And if you want to get the show notes for today's episode, head over to eofire.com, type either Keith or Bob in the search bar, and their show notes page will pop up with everything that we've been talking about today. Best show notes in the biz. Keith, Bob, I want to say thank you for sharing your truth, your knowledge, your value with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we will catch you on the flip side. Hey, Fire Nation, today's value bomb content was brought to you by Keith and Bob and Creighton. If you've ever thought about creating a podcast of your own, well, the Podcast Journal is for you. It is a gorgeous full leather journal that will guide you step-by-step in the creation and launch of your podcast in 50 days. Visit thepodcastjournal.com, use promo code podcast for a $15 discount, and thank you for listening to my podcast, and I'll catch you there, or I'll catch you on the flip side. A degree from Creighton's Hyder College of Business will empower you to think boldly, lead confidently, and shape your future. For more program information, to schedule an appointment with an enrollment specialist, or to start an application today, go to gradschool.creighton.edu. If you're feeling like you have no idea where to start with your online course journey, then Thinkific's five-day course challenge is for you. You'll walk away with a complete blueprint for your online course that you'll be ready to put into action. Sign up for this free challenge today at thinkific.com slash fire. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-F-I-C dot com slash fire.